designers you've got mail podcast sponsored by manscape we had him last week he did so great we had to have him again bringing back veteran nfl reporter scott bear to break down what all transpired over the weekend i know at first scott you and i were talking about you know what to expect heading into this draft we talk about positions that we thought the 49ers would address um i think in a sense, both of us were surprised in a number of areas. But coming off of the draft, how are you? Just general overview. How are you feeling following the 49ers draft? Well, I love the quarterback selection. I don't know how you can not. And you spent time with Trey Lance. I'd love to know your, your interactions with him as well. But he just seems like a magnetic personality. He can throw the ball 100 miles through the air and land it on a dime. You have to love that pick. You have to love going for greatness there, which is exactly what the 49ers did with that trade and that selection. As you work your way through the draft, uh, we're going to get to some of these question marks about why didn't they take X or Y. You look at it and they got a couple offensive linemen, a couple defensive backs, a couple of running backs, question mark, exclamation point, question mark. And you look at their uh, draft as a whole, and you think this is the type of draft that is possible for a team with an already talented roster. You can add depth. Uh, you can flush, fill out this roster, address some needs. And I think it was a pretty good job by Kyle Shanahan, by GM uh, John Lynch, that will make this 49ers team better. They put a lot of effort into stopping the opposing passer in the secondary protecting the passer no matter who is in the backfield uh, all that stuff is important as you try to take the next step and get back to where the 49ers were in 2019 yeah and we're going to talk a little bit about uh some of the picks why they decided to go certain directions and not other directions uh we're going to talk a little bit more about trey lance but I'll put a pin. I'm excited to tell my story about, you know, getting to sit down with him and getting to meet him his first day at the facility. I think I'll put a pin in that. We'll hold that until we get to the topic of quarterbacks. But I think we have to address one of the biggest topics coming out of this draft for the 49ers. And, you know, usually we hold off to get to the fan questions. But this one was was so urgent that I think we addressed this at the top of this podcast. But Amik Mangat from Canada uh, asked okay, what's going on here? Why didn't the 49ers draft a single wide receiver in this draft, considering that there were so many talented receivers going into this draft? We know we talked to a number of draft analysts and they said, this is a great draft for wide receivers and cornerbacks. Well, the 49ers did get a cornerback, but why didn't they address the wide receiver position? And I'm going to throw out a shameless plug. I don't care. There is a fantastic article on 49ers.com written by Scott where he he breaks down what Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, uh, how they analyzed the wide receiver position and their decision not to go that direction, actually breaking an 18-year streak of not drafting a wide receiver. But Scott, what did you take from what Kyle and John had to say and why did the 49ers select a wide receiver? Well, first of all, thank you for the shameless plug. I always appreciate that and the checks in the mail uh, for that. <laughs> I would say that and go to the article to read full comments. There were a lot of them because after the 49ers draft, there were four to 8,000 questions about slot receivers and the status of that position group because it was an eyebrow raiser, no matter how you look at it. And what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan had to say is simply this, is that once you get deeper into the draft, it becomes about the old best 
player available, highest ranked guy on your board that you have conviction with. John Lynch had a great example. They didn't plan on taking two interior offensive linemen or two offensive linemen. And there is Western Michigan's Jalen Moore in the fifth round. And it's a guy that the coaching staff and the scouts believed in. It was the highest rated player on the board. Normally as a fan or as someone who cares deeply about making sure the 2021 ship is perfectly right and, uh, you know, battened down that you would have thought wide receiver there, but they went with best player available and they did that, did that at a couple of different points. So that's their argument for why they didn't end up with a slot receiver, which became a, a pretty clear need when Kendrick Bourne took money from new England uh, and left to go across the country. That was a disappointment, man. What a personality, what a player and what a, and what a vacancy that you're going to have to fill so for them to not do that, I think, is um, is a fair, legitimate question. Kyle Shanahan said that they have more than six NFL receivers already on their roster, six being sort of the maximum number of wide receivers that you would carry. You can go down the list and see what he's talking about, but that true slot specialist that is so important, especially on third and four and with the way that Kyle Shanahan likes to use those slot guys. Think about when Trent Taylor was healthy and at his best, he was very good at that. Kind of what Wes Welker has made a living on uh, for so long. They don't have that guy. And there were a bunch of guys, especially in the third round, Kiana, that you looked at and you thought, that guy could fill in. He's a speedster. He can make things happen. Kyle can get him the ball in space and they can do some really amazing things. But more often than not, whether it was um, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss in the second round, or if you went down, uh, there were a couple of good options there in the third round where you thought that's the guy. And then he gets taken a couple of picks beforehand. So I think deep down, they probably wanted to add a slot wide out. Um, but it kind of just didn't set up for them the way that they would like. Yeah. And just reiterating what you were talking about and what you wrote about, you know, the 49ers, they have this draft board, they have their guys and, and where they are on this board. And they do they have these guys ranked to, whereas, you know, you're looking at this board and this guy is gone and this guy is gone and they don't want to reach for something just for the sake of, you know, okay, we check that box. They want the best player available that fits the team's need and and that's kind of how things shook out for this team and and I know you kind of look at this draft and you're like but not one wide receiver but the 49ers felt that you know looking where they were sitting at let's say round two and and who's available well do you pass up a a guard who you know solidifies and adds a depth at a spot and who's the highest ranked on your draft board or do you drop a few who knows I'm throwing out a random number but do you drop about 30 picks and grab this receiver who who might not necessarily be a round two guy so it's a tricky situation but that's how the 49ers explain their their decisions that for not going for a wide receiver in this draft um but Again, now we kind of look at the 49ers roster. We know they got they have their Debo Samuel. We know they have their Brandon Ayuk, Muhammad Sanu. Uh, another name that, you know, I think sometimes we do forget about is Travis Benjamin is another guy who is still on this roster. And then 
we're looking for the status on Jalen Hurd and Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch talked about him a little bit this week and said that he's on track and he's working really hard and he's out rehabbing away and they're excited to get him back into the facility uh, to start monitoring his rehab. But that's another name that's in the fold. So um, not all is lost at the wide receiver position, but um, I know with those undrafted free agents coming in and the 49ers will certainly look, be looking to beef up that position in any way, how, although they did not do that during the draft, but outside of wide receiver, Scott, you and I were talking literally a week ago from today. And I think we kind of gave our predictions on what are some positions of need for the 49ers. And, you know, we talked about wide receiver. We talked about beefing up that O line, but also i made, I made, a big emphasis that the 49ers always, you can bet on them addressing the pass rush every year. The 49ers go into this draft and, you know, somewhere, if it's not in that first, second round, somewhere in that draft, they're adding someone on that D line did not happen this year. What's your thoughts there? It's always scary when you have someone that you would like to count on as heavily as the 49ers want D Ford to be the chaos creator. And he missed most of the year. Neck injuries are always scary. He's had some soft tissue injuries in the past too. And less, uh, it has nothing to do with the confidence in D Ford, the player, right? That guy's legit. He gets after people and him and Nick Bosa are as good of a edge rushing tambo tandem as there is. But you don't know exactly how he's going to come back. You have Nick Bosa coming off the other side, uh, coming off of an ACL. We've seen the Instagram posts, right? We know that he looks great. I've said, and I will continue to scream from the mountaintops, biggest addition to any NFC West team this year over last, Nick Bosa. But you thought, get more depth, especially at the edge rusher spot. I look at the tackle area. I'm not nearly as concerned. This was not a deep, uh, tackle, I'm sorry, defensive right. tackle draft. But I did think, especially with those um, picks in the fifth round, I thought if you just add a talented guy that you could develop, maybe a guy that could be a third down specialist or some solid injury protection. That's what we're talking about here. But there were a bunch of mock drafts that had the 49ers taking an edge rusher in the second round. Right. And it was definitely a need. So I was a bit surprised about that just because of the health issue. They have a lot of talent. They could run with a with with Street, Bosa, Ford, and Armstead, and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. But there's a there's just too many unknowns that make you wonder, gosh, what if somebody gets hurt? You don't want to end up in a position like you were last year where they're just trying to break out the duct tape and find a way to keep the car moving um, uh, along that defensive front. So that was a concern to me. That's another one of those things that I'm sure in a perfect world, if the 49ers were able to go go down their checklist and everything mat- matched up with need and the spot that they had available, maybe it would all line up. Maybe we'd be sitting here talking about getting a, a, sh- a shifty slot guy and a uh, a rangy, lanky edge rusher that could bend around the outside and work under Bosa and learn from Ford and all those types of things. That's not necessarily how it worked. And ultimately, I think there is some concern, but again, it's more about injury protection than, man, we don't have a starter. So it's it would have been a luxury addition 
but I don't think it's the end of the world that they didn't get one. Manscaped is the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. And, you know, I'm no draft expert. I, I, just like everyone else, I kind of follow along with, you know, the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world, the Mel Kuypers. And, and from what I've gathered, this was not a deep defensive tackle draft. Nor was it extremely deep in uh, guys coming off the edge as well. So I, I believe it's one of those situations that goes back to the topic we were just talking about. But if somebody was available for the 49ers that matched up with where they were picking and were on that draft board, then I, 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 I'm willing to put money on it. The 49ers absolutely hands down. Uh, would definitely add some depth there at that position. But I think a lot has to do with where they had guys, um, you know, placed. And this is a tricky year when you when you think about it as a whole. You know, you have a lot of shortened college seasons. Uh, you have a lot of guys that opted out. It's a really tricky year to be able to evaluate talent. And I think that goes across the board for all 32. Um, so I think the 49ers really zeroed in on these guys that they have. They seem extremely happy with the guys they selected. But that brings me to talking about the other side of we're talking about that D line. Let's talk about the other side of the trenches. Who would have thought I, you and I talked about, you know, we, we would expect the 49ers definitely to add some depth to that O line. Listen, you just invested a couple years ago. You invest heavily in the quarterback position at Jimmy Garoppolo. You do that again this year, giving up a lot of capital to land Trey Lance. So, of course, you want to put forth some, some money and protect that investment, protecting your quarterback. They do that not once but twice in the draft. Their second-round pick, Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame, who I say is a factory for O-linemen. Then you do that again on day three with Jalen Moore. Um you know, what's your what's your thoughts on the 49ers heavily investing in that O-line protection? I think it was a smart thing because of the investment that you have in in these quarterbacks and the investment that you have in in keeping that running game as dangerous as it's always been. I, I just yeah. penciled out the starting five. Trent Williams, maybe the best in the business. Lakin Tomlinson, man, has had a career revolution. Alex Mack, all-decade team. Aaron Banks could be, could be the only starter from this entire draft class on week one, right? Everybody else is kind of depth additions and things like that. But Aaron Banks there and then his teammate Mike um, McGlinchey, that looks pretty good, right? That seems very solid. And But you need, what, seven or eight? Offensive lineman to be able to last through the whole season, having Daniel Brunskill, the versatility to be able to go to center and guard. Um, you, you have Jalen Moore can play guard and tackle. You have Colton McKivitz, a guy that I really like from last year, guard and tackle. Sean Coleman is back. I mean, there's just a lot of options here that are attractive that we just talked about injury protection as our really only concern for the edge rusher spot is that you look at the offensive line, I have zero injury protection questions. I The only question I have is that when they have to go through and pick their offensive linemen for that first 53 man, that's going to be hard. 
that's how stacked they are. And if there's an area where you want to feel really comfortable to say, okay, we're only going to keep eight, maybe nine offensive linemen, but we got 10 or 11 offensive linemen in the building. That's one of those good problem to have sort of a situations. I'd even mentioned Tom Compton's back in the fray. Now there's, there's a lot of depth at a very key spot. And I think that if that area is anchored down with both talent, quality, and depth, that's where good things happen along the offensive front. It was a concerted effort to get better there, to get deeper there after everything that they've gone through along the offensive front. Kudos to the front office for getting that done. They aren't always sexy picks because there's no stats involved with them. You're not going to put Aaron Banks on your uh, fantasy (laughs) team. Maybe you should. Uh, You know, uh, big man touchdowns are my favorite, but nonetheless, uh, you know, good picks. I like it. But it's true. It's not the most glamorous picks, um, you know, especially when you have some of those flashier names up there. But uh, they're a necessity, especially when you think about, um, you know, your quarterbacks getting injured or being put in one of those compromising positions. It makes you think about how valuable it is to have that luxury of having a number of O-linemen and and good O-linemen to protect uh, protect your quarterback, but also... Uh, the point that you brought brought up was 49ers run game. I mean, you know, Kyle Shanahan's off- offense is predicated on the run game, and 49ers definitely solidified that position in the draft. Not one, but two running backs. Who would have saw that? I we, I said on our last podcast that, you know, this was my wild card. I can see the 49ers drafting a running back somewhere in here, and and they did that. Um Trey Sermon out of Ohio State, and then also Elijah Mitchell uh, from Louisiana Lafayette, uh, getting two guys. They have different skill sets. They're not they're not the same type of running back. You look at 49ers running back room, and all of these guys run like what four four or something. I don't know. It's a really really fast running back group. But Trey Sermon doesn't necessarily fit that mold. But Kyle Shanahan, it, it's something about his 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 traits and and the way that he he diagnoses the game and and his running style fits what Kyle Shanahan likes to do. But your thoughts, it's a crowded room. Hold on. I'm going to try to go through these names. This is going to be a lot. Let's see. We have Raheem Mostert. We have Jeff Wilson. Uh, We have Wayne Gallman, who was an off season addition. Um, Currently on the roster, we have undrafted guy, Jamichael Hasty, who a lot of 49ers fans were excited to see last year uh, take the field. Um, then, you know, we have these two additional, uh, additions that I just mentioned, uh, Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. Um, you also have a, a guy who was on the practice squad and made his way back and forth last season, but, uh, Austin Walter, who spent some time with the team the last two seasons. So if my math serves me right, that's seven running backs, Scott, that's a lot of running backs. Did you see that tweet during the draft from, uh, Raheem Mostert? He said, welcome to the RB room, Trey Sermon. He uses his uh, Twitter handle. And they said, we're packed to the ceiling. That's not <laughs> entirely false. It's almost like packed to the ceiling, but like a sardine can in there. There's so many running backs and really so many guys with talent. It's a big group. Talk about some tough decisions on the back end when you have to make a 53 out of this 80 or 90, I'm sorry, this 90-man roster. Tough choices coming up. But you also got to think, big picture here 
all those running backs that you named, most of them anyway, are going to be a free agents of some designation at the end of the season heading into 2022. So you got to look to the future a little bit. Trey Sermon, you're right. The 40 doesn't wow you. Like Elijah Mitchell's 40 was real fast. We've seen yeah. that Raheem Mostert is like the Usain Bolt of pulling away from safeties on long runs, right? That That's the way that a 49ers running back looks when they find open space. Trey Sermon, but John Lynch was saying that the short area quickness, his 10-yard split is really good. And that's one of those things where how often are you going to run 40 yards necessarily? You want to be able to run 70. You want to be able to run for long runs. But if you're quick through through that 10-yard burst, a great one-cut and go runner, which is exactly what Kyle Shanahan is looking for, make your decision, make your choice, bang. And Trey Sermon might run at an angle slash by you, or he may run directly through you. Something that safety is going to have to be very aware of from a guy who's six foot two fifteen. I like the pick. I think there was some surprise. They get rid of two fourth round picks to move up and get him. But nonetheless, this is a guy at Ohio state played tons of zone. He understands the scheme. He'll be able to step right in and compete. And, Kyle Shanahan brought up a great point. When you look at RB123, how often has he seen – I wish I had the stat right in front of me so nobody correct me on Twitter later, but it's something <laughs> like this. The third, the number three running back, quote-unquote, took like 38% of the carries last year because of the injury issues. So you can't have enough depth at that position We've seen so many guys that no one's ever heard of turn into fantastic producers working in Kyle Shanahan's scheme. There's a lot of guys who can run. You can keep those guys fresh, maybe keep them away and maybe out of harm's way, taking 30, 35 hits per game. But it is a lot. I can understand why eyebrows were raised when you get another running back right there. It's a crowded room, but if that's a skill set that you want to use that offensive line for, I don't know. It's hard to argue with the guys they got, with the fits they got, with the speed and the physicality that Sermon adds. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, doing my research on some of these guys and kind of looking up the talent that the 49ers are bringing in, uh, you look at the running backs available. You know, you have Najee Harris, who has been, you know, regarded as probably likely, and it ended up happening, being that first running back off of the board. And then you have your running back out of Clemson being the next one. But if you start going down that list, Javante Williams out of North Carolina, that's another one. But if you start going down that list, um, Trey Sermon was was ranked in the top five. He's more of an underrated guy because you have some of these really big names uh, that sit at the top of this, you know, draft projection list but Trey's name has been in that top five as uh, underrated but still high caliber uh running back who who could be primed for a lot of success especially in a Kyle Shanahan offense so excited to see that one play out but as we're talking about picks and you know it's far too early for us to start judging you know who's the best fit and you know how did the 49ers grade out uh, just just off of just coming off of this weekend and just looking back at what the 49ers did. Scott, I'm going to start with you and then I'll answer. But who would you say was your favorite pick of this draft and why? I'm going to go with the sentimental favorite. And that's okay. I know where we're going. Yeah, I, I had to write a whole story about it that I was so inspired by a press conference. That's pretty rare for me. Uh, somebody who's been around too long and is jaded. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I came out of that 
and it was just a Zoom presser with uh, USC jack of all trades, safety linebacker, whatever you want to call him, uh, Talanoa Hufanga. Just such a passionate, genuine moment for him. Just you could just see the humanity come out that this really was a dream come true. He talked about his father living on an island where uh, where his family is from, growing up with dirt floors and moving to the United States and creating an opportunity and playing with his cousins at USC and getting drafted, not first overall. He didn't walk across the stage and hug the commissioner. He didn't have that moment. He was a fifth round draft pick, the 49ers last fifth, fifth, fifth round draft pick, but you could just see how much it meant the opportunity he talked about. I mean, everybody loves what you, what the money of being an NFL player can afford you and helping your family and setting up future generations. But he also said, while that's important, it's about the passion for the game. It's about the opportunity. It's about playing with pure joy and living in the moment and all these types of things. And I just kind of sat back there. I was like, wow, this guy gets it. And then you hear Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch talking, and they're comparing this guy to John Lynch in the way that he can be a heat-seeking missile. He's not afraid to mix it up. Uh, And those are the types that he's – an old school, bad, a asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> and you like to hear that from safeties, from guys down in the box. I, I just, I loved everything about the guy in the presser. And then I go back and I read and I do research about his career at USC defensive player of the year in um, 2020. And you can't help, but love the merge and the merger and the marriage of those two things. A ferocious, get after it, football player, genuine human, He's going to be a very easy guy to root for when he puts on that 49ers uniform. Oh, man. Okay. You took my answer. <laughs> I knew no, there was I, only one. I speak for all of us. <laughs> man, when I tell you, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, I, I have the opportunity and the pleasure to meet each guy immediately after they're drafted and, and get to just kind of chat with them a little bit and learn more about them. And, I'll be honest, and I even told John Lynch this, you know, right before uh, I spoke with John on, on, I believe it was Saturday, and I just stopped and I said, John, like, I know you you look for these football guys, you look for these traits on the field, and, and so on and so forth, but I said, something about this draft, you did a phenomenal job of finding great people. And it, I think it goes back to, you know, they talk about building the right culture and wanting the right guys in this locker room. And and they've done that. You know, you see some of these names that are available in free agency and 49ers might not opt to go that direction because they have a really great group of guys in that locker room. And why would you want to throw a, a wrench into that chemistry? But looking at these guys coming in and getting to know their personalities, you know, from what I've met, and I, I'm a believer that, you know, first impression says a lot about a person, but each one of these guys were absolutely phenomenal. They were just so excited. They were so hungry. They were eager to get into this locker room and start soaking in some knowledge. But uh, Talanoa is a name that, you know, when I look at all of my conversations, this guy just so humble, so passionate, and so hungry, and just so grateful grateful to even be you know a part of this draft he doesn't care where he was drafted he's just excited for the opportunity he said in his press conference you know his goal is to be a first year pro bowler on special teams 
Guys aren't eyeing special teams. They want that starting role on offense or defense. They want to jump in and start making plays. But when you have a guy that's eager to even make an impact on special teams, that says a lot. You don't see that often. So, you know, that's one of those guys I think is really, really special. I'm excited about him. I got to talk to to Aaron Banks, another guy who's excited to join Mike McGlinchey and and, and the names on the 49ers O-line. And I, I could go on and on about each and every guy. But I'm going to turn my attention to uh, the question you asked me at the top of the show. And that was, you know, I got to sit down with Trey Lance. And what did I take away from from meeting this kid, how was he? What's his personality like? And I, I got some messages on on Instagram and Twitter. You know, how is Trey? How is Trey? And let me see how I can summarize this. Um, Trey is is twenty years old. Uh, he turns twenty one on May 9th. Um, my very first conversation with him was immediately after the draft. We did like a little Zoom call chat, and um, I asked him, you know, how are you celebrating tonight? And he said he's just going to, you know, spend time with his family and friends who are out there in Cleveland with him. And I, 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 that's when I asked, I was like, wait, when's your birthday? And he told me, and I said, wow, so tonight you can celebrate with a Capri Sun because that's the, at the limit you can do <laughs> nothing else because you're not quite 21 yet. But this kid, and I, I don't even want to call him a kid because he is just so mature, sitting down and talking with him. You would never, I mean, when you look at him, he does have the baby face, but sitting down and talking with him, he does not give me a 20-year-old. He gives me a, you know, a guy that's coming into the league. He has some experience. He doesn't know it all, but he's ready to learn. He's eager to learn. And, you know, the the line that stood out is that, you know, he understands what he's coming into. He's not walking into this this locker room like, all right, I'm the quarterback. I'm running the show. Absolutely not. He said, I'm, I'm ready to learn from Jimmy Garoppolo. I can't wait to learn from Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, I've seen the success that he's had in this team, and I know what this offense, what it entails, and I am so ready to kind of take a page from his book and, and see how I can better my game. And that's what stood out in my conversations with him. Um a really humble kid. He has a great family, comes from a great background. Um, this, and it goes back to what I said to John, they did a phenomenal job outside of talent on the field, the the personalities and the people they brought into this locker room, Trey Lance fits that mold 1000%. And I think somebody's made the connection to Fred Warner. They said his demeanor and his personality, confident, but not cocky, very confident in himself, um, loves the game of football because when you think of Fred Warner, you think of football. Uh, and Trey Lance gives you that same kind of vibe. So I would say that would be my biggest takeaway from my interaction with Trey Lance. But Scott, enough of me talking. When you heard that the 49ers, you finally got that sigh of relief. We've been waiting how many weeks to see who the 49ers traded up to number three to get. You hear it's Trey Lance. Scott, what was your initial impression? I was impressed by a lot of things, by the guy's talent, by the 49ers' ability in an era where everybody's trying to get scraps of any piece of information. Everybody, after Mac Jones' talk for weeks and weeks and weeks, to come out with Trey Lance there, I thought was a brilliant decision. One that, now that they've Kyle and John have filled in the gaps for us, was part of the motivation for going up to trade up for him to get a full evaluation on, on all quarterbacks and be truly confident in that decision. Speaking to what you were saying 
about uh, character and building a proper culture, especially for a guy that you're going to want working with you for 10 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. A guy who's going to be the public face of your franchise. Do you want that commanding presence in addition to all those other things? He, he doesn't have to be a good pitch man necessarily. He has to play good football and he has to command the locker room. So when Kyle Shanahan says, I think he could be a CEO of a company, what he's saying is he has command and natural leadership ability. You want offensive and defensive players alike to follow that guy from what you're saying. And please go watch the video on 49ers.com of this interview. One great interview, two beautiful shot in the stadium is okay, the shot was pretty phenomenal. My goodness. I mean, could not look any better. Um, a, just, just a really good piece of content there and definitely go check it out. I, I was really impressed by it, but this is another one of those situations where kind of like how I was talking about um, Talanoa, right? Is that, you know what the draft analysts say, and you've read the profiles and things like that. But when you get a chance to hear stories and anecdotes that you had from the interaction, when the, when people start to interact with this kid, when you start to go deeper into the highlights or the or the play that he's had in the past, you think, okay, wow, is this, I, I use the term transcendent talent in uh, a story on 49ers.com. We don't know if he's going to be the next Pat Mahomes or the next anybody. Comparisons always lead you down a path that you don't really want to go. But I think that the raw materials for greatness are there and you can't take that away. And that's all you want when you're picking that high, when you're making that type of a trade to get to a spot to select this player is you want the raw materials to build something great. I think it's very clear that they have it and 49ers fans should be happy because how well respected is Kyle Shanahan as an offensive mind working with quarterbacks. This is one of those situations where it could be a great marriage. If he develops into the player that he's capable of being, I think that quarterback spot could be very secure for a long time to come. This podcast is sponsored by Manscaped, the official below-the-waist grooming partner of the 49ers. Try Manscaped and get 20% off and free shipping with code 49ers at manscaped.com. That's code 49ers for 20% off at manscaped.com. Yeah, and, you know, as we're on the topic of Trey Lance, you know, we talked about the different positions that the 49ers drafted, the ones that they didn't, and now we're at number three overall, and, you know, Going to a fan question, Neil Shaw said, do you think Trey will be potentially a day one starter or do you see him actually waiting behind Jimmy Garoppolo? And I know somebody uh, tweeted recently that uh, they said that Trey Lance is more ready to go and ready to start than a Mac Jones is at this point. Um I, I'm not on the field with them right now, so I wouldn't be able to tell you I was not a part of the evaluation process, but uh, what's your thoughts on on his progression to the NFL? You know, does he start seeing those snart starting snaps sooner than later? What's your take? It's one of those things where if you're in May and June and even into training camp, is he the week one starter? My first impulse is to say I would hope not because he doesn't need to be with the 49ers roster as it is. We talked last week, healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, 22-8 and eight record. Healthy Jimmy Garoppolo understands the system, understands the expectations, understands how to be a pro and deal with 
everything that comes along with the job. And if he's the week one starter, I think the 49ers and their faithful should be really confident in that fact. And the, and the fact that Trey Lance, even if he's as NFL ready as some analysts say, you want to be able to develop outside of the spotlight, especially for a guy that's only played one game in 15 months. That's not his fault. It's just that North Dakota State only played one game during the fall. And he's only played, what, 15 games as even as a uh, collegian. I Don't hold me to those numbers, but it's a very small amount is what I'm saying. So why not be able to develop outside of the Sunday scrutiny, right? When if he has a bad game, then every headline's writing about it and every – it, it, was this the right pick? They reanalyze the trade all the time. It's constantly dissected. If you look at how the Chiefs did it, and again, nobody, nobody's Pat Mahomes, okay? I'm not trying to draw that comparison, but if you go back to how Andy Reid handled the situation, one, he had a consummate pro and, and Alex Smith who understood what was going on. 49ers have a consummate pro in Jimmy Garoppolo who, thanks to good forward-thinking communication from Lynch and Shanahan, knows what's going on. Right. He also understands have a great year, lead the 49ers to the playoffs. Even if you're not around next year, a big contract B maybe that your market is pretty good wherever you happen to go. Um, so you have the same type of thing. Pat Mahomes, if I recall, made like a start in a meaningless game in like week 17, his yep. rookie year. And then it took off, right? Even a guy like that, he got the full time, to absorb, to breathe, to live without that pressure. And I think that's a good model, a good way to go if in a perfect world you can do that. If it's not a perfect world or something else happens and he's forced into duty or he's ready, if he's ready for duty, like that's a good thing. If he overwhelms you to the point that you have no choice but to start him, great thing. The beauty of it is they don't have to. Too often, talented quarterbacks go to terrible situations and flounder because of it. Trey Lance is a has a great talent walking into a great situation where he will not he does not have to be rushed and whenever he shows up he's going to have the greatest tight end on planet earth to throw to that helps and the offensive line uh I mean great situation right? I'm not sure how it could get any better. There's a there's a good reason why Trey Lance was in such a good mood when you were talking to him. Uh he's walking into a great situation into a great locker room culture. Yeah. You look at teams, I brought this up a million times, but just reiterating it again, you look at teams that are picking in the top three, typically they're in the top three because they did not have a great season. And usually those teams that are picking that high up, they're still putting together that roster. They're still finding those pieces. Uh, Trey Lance is walking into a situation where just about everything is laid out for him and ready to go. The 49ers have a roster, <clears throat> excuse me, that's ready to compete now. Um, but when you look at the overarching picture and you look at Jimmy Garoppolo and what he's been able to do, uh, I don't think you throw him into the fire. You don't, like you said, you don't have to, um, you know, I think you let the season play out as it does. And, you know, when time is fitting if the 49ers need to throw in uh, a Trey Lance or say it's a week is week 18 do we have a buy 18 this is a weird year i'm so used to it but if it's a later uh game down the line when you know that playoff i'm knocking on some wood over here that playoff spot is secured and you know now you can uh you can let him play and you know nothing's on the line there it, maybe that situation plays out but uh talking about jimmy 
Uh, Jimmy on Tuesday was making his media rounds. We haven't heard from him since the close. I don't even know if we talked to him at the close of the year. Maybe we did. Uh, but Jimmy was discussing, uh, you know, what's transpired over the last few weeks, 49ers going after a quarterback and, and has he been in the know? And and he said that, you know, John Lynch has been about as transparent as he could be, uh, despite not knowing who the 49ers are going to pick, because as we know, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch kept that, uh, Pretty, pretty tight between just the two of them and didn't let anyone in until literally the day before the draft. And some people not even until they picked up the phone, like your article says on 49ers.com. Uh, it, it's a phenomenal another shameless plug. Make sure you guys check that one out. It was a surprise to Trey Lance and just about everybody in that draft room. But uh, kind of keeping their cards close to their chest, Jimmy knew that they were going to go after a quarterback. And he said that uh, John Lynch was very transparent with him. He let it let it be known, you know, this is what's going on. And he let it be known that, you know, you know, availability is the best ability. And, you know, you haven't been available for two of those three years. But when you are available, you know, we're winning games. So Jimmy understood that. Jimmy's okay with that. And uh, Jimmy's eager to, from what he said in these interviews, he's eager to take Trey under his wing, same way that, Tom Brady took Jimmy Garoppolo under his wings when he was drafted by the Patriots back in 2014, if my memory serves me right. But, you know, I think one of the biggest headlines coming off of the draft was Jimmy Garoppolo reaching out to Trey Lance. And I know everyone talks about Jimmy doesn't text back, cough, cough, George Kittle. But Jimmy <laughs> taking that initiative to reach out to Trey Lance uh, right after he's drafted to congratulate him, welcome to him to the team and be a resource for him, I think that says a lot about who Jimmy is. Remind me again who broke that news that Jimmy reached out to Trey Lance first. That was oh. Kiana Martin, I think, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Uh, that was a uh, that was a great job on draft night. Uh, word spread fast based off of uh, that that information, and I, I think it was really. It, it was really good information. The fact that it happened so fast, it didn't happen on Saturday or something that Trey Lance yeah. even said. Uh, or had told Kyle Shanahan, then reiterated to us, um, that Jimmy was one of the first texts that he got. That says two words to me, consummate professional. That's what you do. And I think that that's what you're going to get. If Trey Lance has a question, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to answer it, that it's not going to be a hostile work environment in that quarterback room. That's positive for everyone involved. Again, winning helps everyone. It's going to help Jimmy Garoppolo in his career, no matter where that happens to go in the future. It's going to help Trey Lance develop. It's going to help Kyle Shanahan. Jimmy's going to set the tone for a good locker room culture. He's always been well-respected there. When you see quotes like what he's saying, you know, that he's, what he said on Tuesday, that he's going to that he's going to continue to be himself. He's not going to let anything change the person or the player that he is. Those are the types, that's the type of mental fortitude that you need in situations and in a profession where A, it's a business and B, it is uh, very competitive. There's only 32 of those jobs. And I think that it's good for everybody that they're taking this approach. Again, Jimmy will set the tone for, for the kind of the locker room culture and the quarterback situation. And then when you get to the fall and you start winning and all that stuff disappears, right? Yeah. Jimmy gives them a great chance to win. Jimmy doing what he did on draft weekend helps immensely. And it all goes back to 
what John Lynch said on Saturday is that you need to communicate before it happens. The proactive approach there was the first domino to keep everything going in line. If you've decided that you're going to take a quarterback, you have a, a well-compensated, accomplished one who's won an NFC title game and been to a Super Bowl, how do you uh, – it's about being forthright. It's about being respectful. And when that first the good proactive communication happens and you have good people – that are listening to the information that they may not want to hear. That's how, that's how you can keep that thing going as opposed to creating hostility or animosity that I think all those things are positive things. And you talk about culture coming from the top. You want to give the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, the best possible chance to succeed now and in the future. That's how it was set up. And that can't be ignored um, when I saw your tweet on Thursday, I was like, that's the exact right thing to do. I'm sure he's not thrilled that there's a new quarterback in the room, but that's how you address it by being a pro, by being stand up, and by earning respect from this locker room and every other GM that's watching every move that you make. That's a really good point you made. Fantastic point right there. Uh, I, I, only thing I have to say after that is training camp is going to be fun. Yeah, this year's training camp is going to be a lot of fun. We we talk about those running backs and that that massive sardine can of running backs uh, <laughs> that the 49ers have. Uh, that's going to be fun to watch that play out. It's going to be fun watching Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo, what Trey kind of grafts from from the quarterback and and how he starts developing and and grasping Kyle Shanahan's offense and and the number of other positions cornerback um we talk about a safety and, and where he might fit even as a special teamer and and the O-line you know that will there be a competition with we had we talk about Daniel Brunskill and now we've got Aaron Banks uh will that be a competition for that right guard position so uh that's going to be a lot of fun just watching all of these play out but the rookies will be making their way to Santa Clara uh to be all in one location i believe next week at some point and then we're we're working our way through the off season program hitting those OTAs so things are are finally uh, happening things are moving i feel like it's been the longest off season ever no thanks to Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch having us wait on pins and needles waiting for which quarterback they were going to take. But now things are progressing, training camp later on this summer. I'm excited uh, for what's to come. Uh, Scott, you sound pretty thrilled. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I, this is one of those teams that could really – we said it before the draft, right? You think, okay, they had a rough year with the injuries. If they can get healthy, stay that way. They drafted for depth. They have a great starting lineup. I mean – there's no reason why they can't get back to 2019 levels. 2019 levels, if we recall, were pretty freaking high. Yeah, they were really, really good and hopefully surpassing those 2019 levels. You know, this team has one thing and one thing only on its mind, and that's redemption. And now it's the, what did they call it, the Revenge Tour? So now this is the Revenge Tour 2.0. Yeah, so uh, we'll see how this year shakes out. Super excited you're getting your guys like Nick Bosa back and, you know, we talk about potentially some of the wide receivers. So lots to look forward to in 49ers land. But with that, Scott, we appreciate having you on the podcast. We appreciate just all of the content you have brought to 49ers.com. And for everybody listening, I kid you not, I'm not just saying this. 
Um, but definitely check out what uh, Scott added to 49ers.com. Some amazing insight uh, breaking down, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and, and his relationship with Trey Lance to talking about Talanoa and being drafted by the 49ers, how each draft pick fits with the 49ers. Another topic that's on 49ers.com. Uh, snapping that 18-year streak of drafting a receiver. There's so much great content uh, courtesy of Scott. So please, please check that out. Honestly, some of the my favorite things I have read in a very long time, and I'm not saying that because I'm biased because I'm here with the 49ers, but some great insight there, especially draft stories and getting to know some of these guys. So with that, Scott, I'm going to let you out of here because I can talk your ear off forever. Um, but I appreciate having you. This has been tons of fun and we've got to get you back in this building. Is that okay? Uh, absolutely, man. I had an absolute blast this week. It's been a real honor working with you and can't wait to do it again. Let's do this again. Enjoy getting a week off from all the draft craziness. Okay. It was a wild one. That's for sure.